No, no, no. It's good to have a little air circulating. I don't know where these guys have been. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Congress, two beers in. I'm Laura Blessing, Senior Fellow at the Government Affairs Institute at Georgetown University, and I'm here with my colleagues Josh Huter and Mark Harkins. We're honored to have a special guest with our, us here today. Congresswoman Ileana Ross Layton is a remarkable public servant. She represented Southern Florida from 1989 until this January and retired as the longest serving member of the Florida delegation. She's known in particular for her service on the House Foreign Affairs Committee, which she chaired from 2011 to 2013. Her service here is informed by her personal background. Fidel Castro called her la loba feroz, which means <laughs> yes. the ferocious wolf. <laughs> her family escaped Castro's Cuba when she was eight. She's also a self-described moderate. She's been rated as one of the most moderate members of Congress by different academic measurements, has reached across the, the aisle on a number of different issues, and represented a competitive district. She's been a number of firsts, including the first Cuban-American and the first Latina to serve in Congress. She's also someone with deep institutional knowledge and long-standing political relationships. Jeb Bush ran her first campaign, and Marco Rubio was her intern. <laughs> oh, yeah. It is little surprise that the McCourt School's Institute of Politics and Public Service sought her out to be one of their fellows for this semester, where she teaches a discussion section and is a resource for Georgetown students. We're delighted to have her here with us today to talk about the major developments, problems, and opportunities she, she sees for Congress from her three decades in the People's House. So I'd like to th start with a kind of 30,000 foot questions, and then you know my colleagues and I are going to ask follow-up uh, questions about this and, and other issues. Um, you've seen a lot of major changes uh, in Congress during your time there. What, what do you think the most important developments have been? Well, first of all, thank you so much for this opportunity. And I think it's important to say the name of this uh, of this interview <laughs> podcast thing again. What is it called? It is Congress Two Beers In. And, and, and we're taking a little liberty because we know that you're not a beer drinker. <laughs> and we were quite pleased to be able to... Now, I can't pronounce the name of the drink properly. I know. It's it's wonderful Haitian rum. So I'm a Cuba Libre, a, a rum and Diet Coke kind of gal. And these guys got me a, a very exotic rum. I'm, I'm a straight Bacardi kind of gal. Very um, normal. Well, no, that's what people think when they think academics. Like, they yeah. think exotic. So, so this is rum. Had to Barbancourt, Barbancourt, product of Haiti, but I really like it that it comes from Haiti because uh, that country has been through a lot of upheaval, and uh, I hope that this really is uh, some of the money's going to go back to Haiti, a country I love so much. So, and I've got a a busted. Uh, look at this! I got this wow. cast on my like, leg. That's a <laughs> cast. Yeah. I know I fractured my. Uh, uh, my ankle playing with my dog, <laughs> and it worth it, worth it. <laughs> but I think I'm gonna get the cast off by by Monday. All right. It's been on there a couple of weeks, and as you can tell, I've I've done the medically approved duct tape measure <laughs> of uh, of keeping the cast on. So what you're saying is frontier you broke medicine the cast. there. Frontier, yes. <laughs> so uh, I can't wait to take it off, but I'm gonna 
elevate it as I drink my rum and Diet Coke. I'm getting pretty comfortable here, guys. <laughs> but uh, what a wonderful interview. I am just thrilled with the concept, and thank you very much for, uh, for interviewing me. But, uh, yeah, I, I would never would have thought that I would be would have been in Congress or, or an elective office at all. Yeah. I was never involved in uh, in an elective office. Uh, I wish I had been, but I was didn't run for student council, didn't do any of those normal things. And and yet here I am, an almost 30-year veteran of Congress. What was I thinking? As my, <laughs> as my granddaughter Killian would say, what were you thinking, Abu Lily? I said, I don't know, here I am. But I used to be a teacher. Yeah, there I am teaching in my wall. elementary school, and uh, you know I would help this parent. It was uh, in in Hialeah, a very working class uh, area of Miami Dade County, and they say you know rather than helping this one and this one and that one, you could set the policies, and you wouldn't have to help so many people because it'd be a a better playing field for them. So I said. I, Politics? What? What's that? <laughs> and so, my dad, I was single then. My dad said, "Yeah, that sounds like a good thing." So we went to campaign school. I knew I was a Republican. We went to campaign school, and I was such a good candidate. And my dad was such a good campaign manager, and my mom was an excellent campaign volunteer because we knew nothing else other than what they taught us. Wow. So for me, they'd say. You knock on 20 doors a day, okay, I'll do that. And you make 10 phone calls a day and ask for money, okay, I can do that. You know, and so they said this to my dad and this to my mom. We were just a great campaign and we weren't supposed to win. And, and you we had won. a very short campaign too because yeah. this wasn't yeah, a standard yeah. campaign. Yeah, right? yeah. So that was for the very first one, not for Congress, but for State House. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. oh, I see. So I was okay. State House for, uh, Seven years. Um, for, yeah, for four years in the House. Yep three years in the Senate, and then Claude Pepper. Claude Pepper was such an institution. I know people are thinking, who the heck is a Claude Pepper? But this is a man <laughs> Tell who was people. a wonderful, bipartisan, old school, old school a legislator who didn't care if you're a Republican or Democrat. He helped so many Cubans when we were first starting to come over. In the ni- We came over in 1960. Claude Pepper was the man you went to. And uh, without regard to party or what you could do for him, he is just—he was just a wonderful man. He was there, Social Security, Medicare, you name it. He was the—he was the author of all, you know, and, and an influential player in all of this legislation. And that's why when he passed away, there was his casket in right. in in the rotunda. Nobody knows who he is these days. It's a shame, but. He was there so long in Congress that generations of leaders came and went. And old Claude Pepper would still be hanging on. I don't know how old he was when he died. I've forgotten now. But many a generation came through waiting for Claude to retire. He didn't retire, so he died while in office. And so he was laid in state in Tallahassee because he served there. And, and also in Congress. And that's a rare honor mm-hmm. for a member of Congress. So um, I couldn't believe it when I won. I just could not believe it. And here, you know, 29 years later, I, I loved every minute of it. So here's to Claude. <laughs> cheers, we're cheers. drinking our cheers, first cheers, drink. Cheers. Okay, thank you. 
So you say that you know they people don't uh, aren't made in that mold anymore. What have what changes have you seen in, in those thirty years? Well, you know, I really do feel strongly that people are not made in that mold in the uh, lately. And what I see people is few of them work in a bipartisan manner. Uh, maybe it's their constituency. Maybe it's the gerrymandering that goes on in congressional districts, but. It brings out the nastiness in us, and it's very uh, gotcha politics where there's no vote that is safe. Um, you think that everybody is, is out to look at you, whether you're absent or present in a committee hearing. You mistrust your colleagues. They don't even have to be from the other party. There's a lot of mistrust and distrust, and uh, no one wants to work in a bipartisan manner, and I think... I think that modern media has a lot to do with it. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not saying blame the messenger. Of course, they're just the messenger. But it's the loudest voice gets on television. The The most partisan person is the one who will get more airplay. And I, and it, it just, ah, it doesn't make for, for good legislation. So I'm sorry to see that kind of bipartisanship go because not only was Claude Pepper a wonderful bipartisan legislator, but but when I got to Congress, Dante Fassell, a name that people don't know anymore, he was yeah. chairman of the yeah. Foreign Affairs Committee. I don't know what yeah. it was called. I think we were having relations rather than affairs at the time. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Dante was such a fair guy. He's from right. He was right here in my in my in my area from Miami, and he was a Democrat. I was a Republican. There was no room. In the comedian, he said, Ileana, you just take a seat right here. We'll work it out so that you can get to be a member of this committee. If you think that any chairman, Democrat or Republican, is doing that right now yeah. while we speak, you are nuts. They're trying to keep people off their committee. So, right? yeah, so you were right. in the minority, and a member of the majority put said, an additional chair in the room. Yes, and I will you change the ratio to make sure... Maybe we'll add another Democrat, but we'll make sure that you, even though you're not a voting member yet, you will be a member of this committee. And by gum, he did it. He did it. And I, and I sat there with, you know, it was a little card table. It was a ridiculous <laughs> little table with a folding chair. And, uh, and I enjoyed it. But that was Dante Fassell. Bill Lehman was another person that people think, who is she talking about? These guys have been long dead. But Bill, Bill Lehman, his middle name was Marks. M-A-R-X. That should tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> but very fair guy. And he was from Miami Beach. And he said, Ileana, let me tell you how the mail operation works. I did not even know that about franking them, that you could send... Uh, because remember, this was a special election. Right, you came I all the way in August. I, yeah, I was, boom. You get elected one day, and a couple days later, you're sworn in. <laughs> there was no... A Harvard uh, orientation, <laughs> or bipartisan retreat. You missed that, but nothing, well. nothing. It was, uh, you know, right into the fire. So, um, and nobody thought anything of it. One more Republican, it didn't mean much because right. the Democrats were such an institution, right. such a powerful force that any fighting was within their circle. Having one more Republican, it didn't threaten them. Now, the balance of power is so tight, one election could be a change election, and that's why it goes back to your, to your question of what has changed. What has changed is the control of the House 
can be decided in one election. It can flip from Republican to Democrat, as it just did this, uh, this November, and, uh, and it makes a difference. And so people are worried about their votes and who's watching out for them, who's looking out for who's got the side eye going. And it's, it's a real shame, because then you lose the bipartisan nature. Now, although I never lived up here, Dante and Bill would tell me that another thing that changed a lot, the culture of Congress, I've got bocadito stuff all over me. I've been eating bad stuff here. Um, is that before, people used to live up here and they used to bring their families up here. I, I never did that, but I could see how in the old days there was more familiarity with, with not only you as a person, but you as a member of your family. You knew your spouse, you knew your children. You went off and you had so your kids played soccer together. You had Absolutely. dinner every other week together. And now this is a commuter school. Yeah. <laughs> That's an interesting way to put it. I, I look at your career, you, you were there for a fascinating period of time, I right? Know, it was you so started in 89, right? You're in the minority for five years. You come in and then all of a sudden, like, Republicans take over in 95. And then you have the, the, the Republican Revolution, the contract with America, which you didn't sign, evidently. And then you have all of these changes in leadership in the Republican Party. What was what was sort of like the your memory of the the leadership styles of speakers and so chairmen? different, yeah. so different. First of all, when I got when I got when I was first elected, I thought, wow, what is happening here? The Berlin Wall came down. Right, right. You know, so oh, many, wow. so many incredible things. <laughs> yeah, you've I been said, there oh for God. what two months? Been, at that yeah, point? That's so crazy. It was my first invitation to go on a Cadell. I said, "What? Oh, Cadell? I'd never yeah. heard of it." But I had my children. Our children were small, and you know, I just couldn't take any time. But I, you know, that would have been something to see. Yeah. To, yeah. See to fly the, to Berlin. Then. Fly to Berlin. It was just a weekend trip, and uh, and I was asked to to be there and. And uh, it would it would have been something, but I probably had more time playing with my kids. But I thought, wow, this is a lot's happening now that I'm in Congress. Communism <laughs> is uh, is going out. Freedom is coming in. But uh, alas, it was not to be in my homeland of Cuba. But yes, uh, leaders make a difference, and people have all kinds of different leadership styles. Uh, New Ginwich with his contract with America, that is his speaker portrait. That yeah. is shown in the speaker's is, lobby. He's uh, he's holding his uh, contract with America as printed in the Reader's <laughs> Digest. It became something that now people might not remember, but back in the day they did oh, remember yeah. it. And and Newt perhaps took that a little too literally. Uh, I remember a New Yorker cartoon where somebody's flipping through. Uh, you know, it's a picture of Newt on the TV, and he's saying, now, if we'll turn to page 147, some paragraphs, oh, six, contract uh, with America, and, and, and she looks at her husband, I thought we were just voting against the other guys. But, uh, you know, he really took it to heart that everybody voted for the contract with America. But you're right, I did not sign it, along with Lincoln diaz Ballard. And Don Young. Don Young is just mm. always a rebel anyway. So, yeah. But Lincoln and I did not sign it because it had provision in there that said that uh, uh, there would be no help for, uh, for, uh, for immigrants. Even, you know, it didn't matter whether they were illegal or, in, illegal, not legal, or, or legal residents. Uh, you know, anybody <clears throat> with an immigrant status, whatever, would not be able to get benefits, something like that. I don't quite remember, but that was enough that we thought, oh, this is not our cup of tea. So this 
kind of anti-immigrant feeling in in the some in the GOP is not a totally new phenomenon. Right. It'd been perk. It's been perking up for a while, and that is the reason that Lincoln and I did not sign the contract with America. Now we did not make a big deal of it. Uh, I'm surprised you even knew about it because uh, <laughs> we do our research. Because we thought, you know, Newt's got a lot of good ideas. Of course, he would change them every five minutes. But uh, uh, he liked the idea of ideas. <laughs> the idea, he was a he's a big thinker. But uh, and and uh, so I like that. I like I like serving with Newt. Uh, it was just uh, something new every day. Bob Michael was the minority leader. Yeah, right. uh, people won't remember him, but he was old school yeah. that he could not. He was good. He was a wonderful, wonderful uh, member and a great gentleman, but more of the old school way of thinking. Uh, good minority leader would not have been an effective majority leader, would not have been a good speaker because he was not confrontational. And in order to be in this leadership post, whether it's Pelosi or Kevin McCarthy, you have to be an in-your-face kind of person because the way the stakes are now. Any election can change the course and can determine who, who takes over. Why does it matter? Well, it matters with the policies that those leaders um, espouse. And so when people say, it doesn't really matter, those bums are all the same, well... Um, maybe we are all bums, but you know we, we're not all the same. We're not all the same. To bums. I think it's been really fun to, or interesting, to watch the last ten years kind of unfold. Right? You've had Democrats capture like they're the four-year majority or whatever it was, and then Republicans take back over. They go through two speakers, and then we have Democrats back in the majority. What's been what's been like dynamic that's kind of going in the House, in your opinion, that's been changing things? Well, I think that uh, oh, Boehner is an interesting speaker. I enjoyed I enjoyed serving with uh, with John Boehner. Yeah. He was. Uh, a guy who told you every day, he, you know, he didn't need the job. This is frustrating, but <laughs> such an interesting guy. I enjoyed traveling with him. Uh, he got down to brass tacks. No BS, no filter with John Boehner. Uh, and I, I think people like that kind of tell it like it is. Uh, and I, I really enjoyed uh, Speaker Boehner's style. <clears throat> the less said about Denny Hauser, we'll just, we'll just continue on <laughs> but now we've got uh, Speaker Pelosi and I think she's made again. her mark again she's yeah. made her mark and uh, and and Republicans campaigned against their opponents saying if you vote for this guy he's gonna vote for Nancy Pelosi as speaker it wasn't as potent a message I don't think to give voters a reason to vote for or against somebody she may not be popular, but neither is is President Trump in many circles. So, right. I I think we needed a more powerful message other than we're not Nancy Pelosi. Right. In twenty ten, it was easier to do that. I mean, she was the poster child for the Affordable Care Act and the government overreach. Yes. And but then in the minority, what can you say? Who, right. You know, we have short lifespans. <laughs> I mean, I mean, sorry, and short attention spans. Two attention spans. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you think are the biggest challengers for Democrats now, right? Well, they can't overplay their hands. You know, they've got uh, they've got a lot of responsibility with this uh, oversight of the president. 
and they've said it. They're going to, you know, ask for the tax returns. They're going to investigate his ties to Russia. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of investigations. And I think that unless they keep the, the governance issue going, people are not going to like that their government has now been turned into an investigation. You know, this is not law and order. Uh, Special Victims Unit, no. Uh, criminal Intent or whatever. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. don't so even many, know so many choices. All of the things. It's a salon order. I know that Mark wanted to ask about... So uh, we've got to... We, they've got to govern. They've got to govern. They've got to do the issues hmm. and not just be the anti-Trump hmm. party. Right. So if you had a chance to talk to the, the new chairman, Mr. Engel... Great guy, good friend. Yeah, think about the, the interesting spot he's in now. Yes, because he's a so Elliot Engel is now the very chairman. bipartisan guy, but now he's got to be very anti-Trump, or he won't be Mr. Chairman. Could be. It'll be interesting. Yeah, he's got two years. Um, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. And what's interesting is, and you were in this position to some degree when you took over. You had to staff up a whole committee. Yes. Right. You hadn't been a chair before. Um, you want to talk a little bit about the mechanics of trying and to even do that I and know. how it hampers you at least at the beginning. It's 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 a wonderful opportunity. I wish. Elliot, the best to Elliot. To Elliot. 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 Chairman of the House Foreign Relations Committee. We're having affairs now. We're back from relations. And to <laughs> Michael McCall, the ranking member from yeah. Texas. Sure, why not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> All right. Now, Elliot <laughs> is, I think, I believe, this is just my opinion, is under a lot of pressure to uh, look at everything that Trump has done internationally and look for trouble. I don't know if that's true, but I know that in his nature, he's a man. He's a good guy. He's not a conf- you know conflict-oriented guy. But this is what the party expects of him, and if he wants to continue to be chairman, he has to do it. So let's see what comes out of all of that. Um, you know good. whether he'll. But it does take a long time to stand up your committee. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh my goodness, you've got to hire all of this staff. And uh, and then, for Elliot's case, if he's going to do an investigative type committee, he's got to find people who are in this level of expertise. Not everybody is an investigator. Right. Um, and he's got to find people who know how to, to look for documents, how to ask for documents, how to subpoena documents. So it's going to be a different kind of committee. Under Ed Royce, the former chairman, and Elliot Engel, who was the ranking member, the top Democrat, not controlling the agenda, we had a um, an unwritten rule that unless a measure was supported by both sides, the committee would not take it up. Wow. Isn't that unbelievable? Mm-hmm. It's incredibly bipartisan. Incredibly bipartisan. It, it is very unbelievable. And they really did do it. They really did it for two, I don't know, bro, I don't know how many years. They honestly did it. Um, and those days are gone. Because the new regime is in place, um, being bipartisan is no longer no longer the way to go. 
Sure. And and I think people are okay with it. You know, they they watch MSNBC because they have a kind of mindset to go that way. They watch Fox because they have a mindset to go that way. I don't think people mind being uh, biased or, or, or sympathizing with one point of view or the other. They're fine with it. They've made their peace with it. They think that's the way that politics works. But the greatest problem the Democrats will have is that they might overplay their hands and just investigate uh, President Trump every day. And people will say, well, how does this help me pay my bills? How do I get my kid to college? How, how is this going to make sure that my electricity doesn't get turned off in the winter? I don't know. It's a temptation when you have the power. But... And you saw some of that 22 years ago, too. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. You know, with when we had the the ugly times of the, of the Clinton impeachment, it was just not a pretty time. I'm telling you, it was it was hard on our country. It was uh, it was very tough, especially with the nature of the of the issues in Monica Lewinsky and Bill Clinton. And uh, and of course, he was literally impeached by the House. But. But the Senate did not vote for that way. Right, right. And they had, I don't know, nine Republicans. I'm just making it up. I don't remember. But uh, What's wrong with it? To vote, uh, <laughs> to vote with, with uh, President Clinton. Um, I don't think that there would be nine uh, senators <laughs> to vote with, yeah. with President Trump. But, uh, but they wouldn't need that many. I mean, they've got, they did pretty well. The Senate Republicans did pretty well in this election. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, I think that they won't get to the impeachment level, but they will investigate a lot, mm. and whether that will be too much or not. But Nancy Pelosi, she's an old hand at this. She was there when all this was happening. I don't think she wants to go that route. Mm. And and they can get political mileage without without doing the impeachment. I think. Mm. No, I think that's right. The mm. death of a thousand cuts is almost yes. Almost, oh my almost god. For the yeah. I mean, look at President Trump's lashing out already he is so mad he is really quite uh quite upset and they've only just begun right. oh man yeah down the hatches yeah put on the seatbelt because it's gonna get wild it's gonna <laughs> we've got jerry nadler in judiciary you've got uh you got richie o'neill and oh my gosh there's just so much going on Maxie elliot Waters. engel max um, annie maxi and then yeah. Uh, and then Adam Schiff in, on Intel. Holy moly. Adam Schiff, <laughs> yeah. I think, is going to have a lot of open hearings, which we did not have in Intel uh, before. It's That's right. Just, you spent some time on that community. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. It was great. And uh, um, it, was, it was a wonderful committee. We got a little sidetracked. To not getting sidetracked. To not getting sidetracked. All right. But it, w- it, it was fascinating, and we got to see and hear from the, the best officials in the world. That's why it astounds me. I don't know if it's true. I only know what I read in the paper and listen to podcasts. But they say it seems like the president is listening to news, whether it's CNN or Fox or MSNBC, when he has the best minds right. all around him and we can, he can get the best intelligence I mean, those men and women from whom we we heard every morning on Intel, they just had the best information in an unbiased way. 
and hats off to them, to the fine men and women uh, of the Intel Committee. Yeah, yeah. and uh, my advice to the president, I'm nobody to be giving advice. He's far more popular than I am, but turn off the TV, turn off Twitter, and uh, pay attention to our great Intel folks and find out what's going on in the world and let's take care of let's take care of business here. I had a question. So you the election's over. Solid forty Democrats running. I'd like to stop for just a few weeks. Right. Some people are saying that you know you get six months to legislate, which is that's just in stuff. Out of every two years. So already we've got Kamala Harris, Cory Booker. We've got Gillibrand, Warren, Warren, Bernie, Bernie, and uh, Peter Buttigieg. Oh yes, the mayor in Indiana. That's right. Yeah. How do you say that name again? I guess Buttigieg, but I don't know. That's a difficult one. But uh, uh, and then we've got a couple of maybe Republicans. I'm not sure. Will they run as Republicans? I don't know. So Mike Bloomberg is thinking of running as an independent. No, he's looking at the Democratic, Democratic side somewhere, okay. too. It's unclear. Yeah. Yeah. And then, Schultz. uh... You know, Schultz. Various coffee magnets. Yes. <laughs> and then yeah. in, on the Republican side, you have to get Bill Weld. Bill Weld, yeah. Weld. That was right. a surprise. Wasn't it just that this was. weekend? That came out of nowhere. That came out of nowhere. I mean, build it up a little bit, you know? <laughs> Gosh. Create some suspense. Yeah. Hey, I'm from Massachusetts. That took me by surprise. It's like, <laughs> where did that come man, from? We love you. Yeah. Heads up with Nobody nice. can beat Donald Trump in a Republican primary. Mm. If it were held today, what's tomorrow bring? I don't know. He's very popular. President Trump was just in my hometown in Miami. Um... We have a very large Hispanic population, and uh, he's doing all the right things, uh, in my way of thinking, on Cuba, on Nicaragua, on Venezuela, on Israel. So in terms of foreign policy, uh, uh, he's doing really well. And for us in South Florida, foreign policy is domestic policy. Right. Freedom. I have a question for you. Um, so it seems like this election was interesting because you had this wave election in the House and then a different election in the Senate. That, yes. You know, had totally different dynamics. Um, I mean, Rick Scott. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Incumbent Senator. Exactly. What? Exactly. And that was that was sort of the question that I wanted to ask. Do you think that of the, for, since the last two years that Florida has become a more red state than it has been in the past? Where well, it's what it shows, very you're right. That what it shows to me is that you, the voter... Wherever you are, you can make a difference. For those people who cynically say, ah, why should I vote? My vote won't count. It sure counts. And it made a real difference in close elections everywhere. But in Florida, Ron DeSantis became our Republican governor uh, by, um, by just a smidgen. Rick Scott became our Republican senator by just a smidgen. So, to voters, to voters, voters may you, your Please vote counts, it. guys. Especially don't if you're think, under 30. Uh, don't <laughs> think that your vote will not matter. Yes, it matters greatly, and you can sway elections. 
In the state of Virginia, a single vote made the difference from who could possibly be the governor. That is unreal. No, Virginia, we are so happy with Virginia and Florida. Because, because first, we take that sentence out of context. First, a Florida man, a Florida woman. And now we've got Virginia. I mean, come on. A lot of dominoes falling right there. We are so happy. We were happy first with Mississippi because there's always Mississippi coming in last. But now we've got Virginia for, oh my gosh, politics. So Florida man is very, he's, he's getting kind of antsy. Feels like his he's got competition. Uh, he's got competition. Serious Don't competition. worry, we're going to come back. All right. <laughs> but that drama in Virginia, oh my God. We're, 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 we're now plugging both Florida Man on Twitter and <laughs> a particular <laughs> brand of rum. Oh my gosh. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. just terrible. So we've, uh, we've, we've been talking about kind of different manifestations of partisanship. I think there, there are these also interesting dynamics about intra-party divisions. Yes. Both you know, within the Republican Party that you've been outspoken on, but also now as the Democrats have become the majority party in the House, yes. they're going to have... I mean, I think there will be both similarities and differences, but I, I'd love to hear your take on both the intra-party divisions for the Republicans and what we can maybe expect for the Democrats going Well, forward. that is an excellent question. I think that the, that the Democrats are more aligned. There are a few outliers and that have gotten a lot of attention, but take out, you know, the seven outliers. Everybody in generalizations. The Democratic Party is pre-united. This is our agenda. This is what we want to do. And I think they're more homogeneous. So they don't have that kind of problem that we have in the Republican Party um, because we have folks who are very conservative and they're not outliers. And then we have folks who are moderate they're almost outliers because we got wiped out in this last election. Right. What always so, happened to the wave election? The wave election. That's you know, and then things just kind of even out. So we've got um, uh, ma mainly in the Northeast, the Northeast Republican moderates, uh, and then my friend uh, Chucky Corbello in Miami. Boy, it, it just people say that they like folks to work in a bipartisan manner and if you give them a survey they say that they do but their do. voting pattern does not indicate that they do because mm -hmm. they'll say well Ileana yeah she's she's pretty moderate but you know I'd rather just go vote for a real Democrat so she's kind of a Democrat and kind of a Republican I'll vote for a real Republican or a real Democrat because I don't want to use anybody else as an example so I use myself even though I wasn't <laughs> in the, on the in the ballot so they kind of think like middle, you know, moderate, middle of the road. It's roadkill. They they don't. It, it doesn't. It doesn't get rewarded in the ballot box. I mean, we have seen election after election where that seems to be the case. It it is not rewarded by the electorate. So we say we want moderation, but when it comes to voting, we vote we vote for the extremes. So I think that there's more. Uh, differing points of views in the Republican Party right now than in the Democrat because you take away, you know, the, the seven or so who get a lot of attention, but everybody else is pretty much in line. We're going to do this. This is what we want to do. And the Republicans, we still have the Freedom Caucus that is giving us 
uh, I'm no longer there, but giving folks an ulcer and uh, <laughs> as much as you might like them, you know, but they're bucking the trend. But now Kevin McCarthy, as, as the minority leader, he doesn't have to worry so much about the, the Freedom Caucus because it's not up to him to pass legislation. Right. He's not so, putting together a majority coalition anymore. So his job has gotten a lot easier yeah, yeah, yeah. and he can let the, the Freedom Caucus vote their conscience. It doesn't it doesn't matter anymore. No. Now it does Nancy, seem that they have the ear of the president though. Absolutely. Yeah. And and when you look at the American electorate, when when they think of the American government, do they think the House, do they think the Senate? Well, they think the president, for better or worse, whoever the president is, he is America. And he is America to the world and uh, to the public. What Trump says, what President Trump says, that's, wow, that's, that's I guess that's how we, we're thinking. Most people are so caught up with their daily lives. You know, they've got mouths to feed. They've got their jobs to, to, to worry about. Child care, how am I going to pay for insurance? They've got real life problems. In debating uh, political issues is not high on their agenda. They're just waiting to get through the day uh, in one piece and, and not go into bankruptcy. So, you know, that's why it's so important to to ask the president to behave in such a way that would bring um, great stature to our wonderful country. I love this country. It gave me a new home. You know, we, we lost our homeland to communism. And, and the United States said, yes, come on in to USA. USA. Wow, what country would do that? To extra chances. Mm-hmm. Quick question for you, because you almost spent 50% of your time in both. Was yes. it easier in the majority so or easy. the minority? Oh, my gosh, so easy in the minority. It is so easy. Which one did you enjoy more? What was easier for I, I think there are different yeah. skill sets. Oh, right? my gosh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. You get to just be angry, say no, and uh, bombs. you don't really have to come up with a good plan. So I tell the Republicans that I see, you know, if I just want to give us? Just, just enjoy yourself. We're having... Okay, to Jenny. To Jenny. 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 You can be on our podcast. I have an extra one for you. <laughs> yes, so nothing for you. Water, water. So it's so much fun in the minority. It's just incredible. So they might as well enjoy it. There's nothing they can do to change it other than be good candidates, bring forth an agenda to the American people, and tell them you're you you know they can count on you. You're gonna do what's best for the United States, and the people will trust you with their vote. You've got to earn their trust. The electorate is is pretty smart. They're not reading the fine print in your in your campaign literature. But they know, they kind of know what's in your heart, and they kind of know if you're sincere. And they'll give you the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. if, if, you, if you treat them kindly and, and with respect. Did you like campaigning? I loved campaigning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was one of those fools who even liked fundraising. Because, yeah, wait a minute. That is really unusual. Yeah, <laughs> because you... Uh, you get to uh, not dialing for dollars, not fun, yes, but having <laughs> okay. having campaign uh, cocktail parties. Finger food became my favorite meal. <laughs> <laughs> it was hard for me to sit down. What is this fork? What is this? <laughs> but finger food, my favorite uh, meal, and uh, alcohol. Yeah. Fundraising. Cheers. Good fundraising. <laughs>
So, yeah, my former boss, one of my former bosses, I had six, uh, was David Price. David, you talk about a bipartisan guy. It oh, was, my was, gosh. Was solid progressive. Solid career, progressive. But still very bipartisan. Bipartisan. Right? And he was just named something with Vern Buchanan, something pro-Israel. I can't remember. Oh, yeah? David Price and Vern Buchanan were just named co-chairs of something. I don't know. Yeah, because he's been doing a lot with the democracy. Yes, that's it, democracy. It was democracy. Um, uh, like the par- democracy partnership. partnership? House Dem- Democratic mm. Partnership or right. something like that. So they promote good governance around the yep. world. And yeah. and yeah, David Price is one of those guys. So I remember we always had to tell him, you know, we're putting the fun into fundraising because I mean, it was not his favorite part <laughs> yeah of yeah yeah for most people it isn't but i i, I always liked it got to go to parties and and uh, and chat about issues i love to do that it was no problem you got to meet but dialing for dollars not fun no right. no no no, oh, no there's been a pretty big trend in term in terms of the increase of that that so many members have commented on and let me tell you what else has really the big change has been outside dollars coming in mm. now it doesn't much matter how much you raise right. against me right. and how much right. i raise to beat you yeah it's these guys coming in yep and we don't have any control about what they say or how much money i mean people don't think it true but it is true maybe they don't even notice one campaign ad from the other it all looks the same to them like it's your ad Right. But it isn't, and you had no control about what the ad says. And so the use of outside money, I don't know what the answer is, you know, whether it's, I don't know. But some people think, oh, well, it's, you know, one person shouldn't be uh, allowed to use all the money that person has sure. in an election. I don't know that that's it. I think it's... Um, because I think if you've got the money, hey, I'm from cap. I'm for, for capitalism. You know, I, don't care about it. I mean, just from an experiential level as, a, as a member groups. of Congress, you've, you've this is a different experience. Absolutely, if you're spending four hours a day dialing for yes. dollars as opposed to an hour and a half a day yes. just a decade ago, or yes. far less than that when you started yeah. out. And then it now it doesn't really matter how much I raise. It really, literally, does not wow. because other people will fundraise in uh, in my district and they will put out a, a, an ad that looks like something you would put out. Right. And you have no control. People won't believe you. But So, ugh, that part I don't like. Hmm. So everything else I'm okay with, but the, the role of money in, in campaigns is just... And I'm... I'm free market, and I, do I don't that, know what the, I don't know what the change is that we need, but do you think that turns off people from entering public service? Yes, yes, it really does. Uh, you know, I lost my homeland to communism, so I like ads, and I like spending money on this and that. There's nothing wrong with that, but, but I don't, I don't know. I think it just turns people off, and yeah. oh, these guys are at it again, and yeah. so much nastiness back and forth. And their lives, they prefer to argue about sports teams. You know, that's something right. worth arguing about. 
to the dolphin. 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 To the into your campaign, or did you did you feel like it was sort of like business as usual? I just need to. That is a good question. I would say that uh, my drink is being refilled, and I really appreciate. <laughs> we don't want to interrupt that. I'm putting a little lime. Uh, I'm joining good. you because I feel yes. like someone should. It's for for Haiti and for 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 uh, for the Western Hemisphere. Let's. That's say. right. That's right. Well, it's a, it's a USA we, package. We right just here. had sure. to be ready. For anything that could happen. Yeah. Now, as as it stood, uh, I did not get any of those outside groups coming in big time, like like I thought that they might. But you had to be ready for a fight. So uh, they were okay with me, but who knows how long they would have been okay with me. But I was ready, and and I was always a grassroots type legislator. But look. So was Corbello. He Chucky was yeah. just a grade A member of Congress, and he got beaten. And uh, and it can happen. It can happen to anybody. So you just have to be careful and and uh, fundraise and. Even David Price lost an election. It, right, right, unbelievable. Now you talk about somebody hometown, who's a really solid guy. Yeah. Is uh, and then he came back. Then he came back. How did he do it? It was a different district. You guys went through. No, the district actually of- was the same. What was interesting was that nobody came out to vote in '94 for the Democrats. Yes. Right. It was mm-hmm. in in that campaign. Yes. The total number of votes in the election were fewer than the votes that he alone got. Wow. In the next election. That's why we say again to you, the electorate, do you think that your vote doesn't matter? Yes, it matters. You can switch. You can just turn things around. Your vote matters. Your voice matters. So you've mentioned a number of times the difficulties that moderates have. I mean, you're, you know, you've been measured as one of the most bipartisan members of Congress. You've reached across the aisle yes. on certain issues, immigration. I wouldn't in feel right any other way. Uh, but certainly, you know, also also gay rights. Um, I mean, what? How would you describe that experience, and what kind of advice would you have for current members in terms of building bipartisan coalitions? Do where not it's be afraid. Do not be afraid. Um, don't think that uh, people will turn against you. People are so much more understanding than you think, um, and and you can build coalitions. Uh, you can you can work with the other party, and you can uh, you can explain to people why you feel a certain way about a certain topic, and you will find great acceptance. Don't always go to your base. Try to expand your horizons and be unafraid to reach out to the other side and say, hey, maybe we'll work on a bill together. Okay. I think bills should not be considered if, if uh, I mean, unless it's something, you know, presidential investigation, that, that aren't bipartisan in nature. That would be a good way to start, kind of force it. Um, social experiment, let's say you, you've got you got to have an equal number of Republicans and Democrats, unless it's a, a matter of uh, emergency, like 
like all the <laughs> things that we talked about. Ooh, touchy word right now. Very touchy. <laughs> so I'm, I'm getting getting a signal from folks. I, I want to. Um, Not that kind of an emergency. <laughs> Not the build the wall and raise the yeah. treasury. No. Um, I'm 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 getting a, a, a signal that our our time is coming to a close. Do you have any kind of final words of advice for new members of Congress? as someone with a wealth of experience. Uh, well, just to we enjoy your time, listen to constituents, don't forget your roots, go down every weekend, um, don't forget who employs you, who are your bosses, they're your constituents, you are not the knowledgeable source that you think you are. Mm. And uh, and anybody can put you down to size, when because they our citizens, they know a lot of things and they aren't afraid to express them. So be humble, be kind and drink a lot of rum. Not if you get a designated plank, driver, plank, get plank. Uber or Lyft right. or cabbies Gosh, to democracy. Thank you for coming on. Thank, thank you. you for coming on. Uh, Ileana Ross Leighton, everyone. Good night. Mm.